Hello and welcome to the Daily Zen Podcast. My name is Charlie Ambler, creator of Daily Zen. The Daily Zen lives at twitter.com slash dailyzen, the dailyzen.org, and Daily Zen Premium exists at patreon.com slash dailyzen. Uh, Daily Zen Premium is kind of an extra subscription-based add-on to Daily Zen that um, I post exclusive weekly essays and podcasts at. If you like what you hear here or read on the site, I encourage you to support what I do with uh, a subscription. Today, I want to get back to basics and discuss the reasons why we meditate. Maybe some of you don't meditate. Maybe some of you have been meditating for a very long time. But I think it's important to discuss exactly what's going on and why it's happening and... um, the differences between the popular misconceptions about why we should meditate, um, often produced in articles written by people who maybe don't meditate but are writing about it because it's uh, trendy or popular as it is right now. Um, And even people who actively practice a lot of them do so under pretenses that actually hold them back in their practice because they're very results-oriented and they rely on certain assumptions that the practice itself usually teaches us are untrue. So this is going to be a unusual thing that I usually don't do on the episode where I am going to work through an article on a random clickbait website um, called the 19 science backed reasons to meditate and read them briefly and then explain why they're um, probably wrong and (laughs) why the the effects that are described as being the effects of meditation are actually coming from a different place most of the time. Um, And hopefully that clarifies a bit of the confusion uh, concerning what's going on, what the history of this spiritual practice is, and why it's used by people for different reasons than it was originally intended. so I'm just going to start. Uh, this will probably run a little longer than usual, but that's okay because the episodes are usually pretty short. So number one says, ditch depression. Research suggests that 30 minutes of meditation improves depression symptoms along with anxiety and pain. In fact, the practice could possibly prevent depression and pain altogether. Scientists discovered that people who meditate may have more control over how their brains process and pay attention to negative sensations like pain and negative thoughts like depression triggers. So you know, here's a, a, an observation that comes not from the, the direct experience of the person practicing, but from scientific understanding of what happens to the brain in a seasoned meditator. Now, we can get scientifically, we can look at the brain of a seasoned meditator and say, oh, um, this is what's happening, and this is from meditation, and so this person uh, is experiencing this benefit of meditation. But when we approach our early stages of meditation with this notion that, you know, it's going to help us get rid of our depression. Um, what's going to happen when we sit down to practice other than our depression looming over us the entire time and casting a, a certain tone over our practice um, that makes it into non-practice effectively? Because when we meditate, we're letting go of all thoughts. And if we're thinking about it being some sort of relief or some sort of escape, it ceases to serve its purpose because it really does require us to let go completely. And on that note, I'll move to number two, which is stress less. Nix those nail-biting moments already. 
When you meditate, you're able to override the part of the brain responsible for the fear mechanism, which releases cortisol, the damaging stress hormone that's responsible for a whole grab bag of health issues. Uh, one study suggests that meditation can cut back on anxiety by almost 40% and doesn't take a ton of time to reap these keep calm and carry on benefits. Just 25 minutes of meditation done three times a week makes, task fe makes tasks feel less stressful, according to recent research. So once again, the research that's done on meditation, while highly accurate and highly effective, uh, leads to a public opinion that, that doesn't get to the bottom of what's happening when we meditate. Um, the reason that meditation relieves our headaches and our anxiety is because it trains our brain to let go of our thoughts for a brief period of time, uh, which helps us be a little bit less trusting and a little bit less attached and clingy to our thoughts in general. Over time, that compounds into a more enlightened and heightened mindful state in which we can approach our problems our various emotional states and our temporary thoughts about things with a certain skepticism and a certain distance that allows us not to get too tied up in things. It doesn't causes us not to overreact internally or externally. And that can be explained. Um, that can explain very easily this stress reduction property, as well as the headache reduction property, which is number three, which I don't need to really go through because it's tied into these other things. Um, Number four, be nicer. Meditation may help you kill them with kindness. In one study, the practice was linked with more empathy and laughter, being more social, having a more team-oriented mentality. The meditation practitioners in the study <laughs> used the word we more than I. Um, well, ancient spiritual literature would tell us that the kindness that comes from meditation comes from accepting the unity of yourself with all things that comes from the experience of your mind's peaceful, fundamental state. Um, so with this, naturally, is going to come, first of all, less social anxiety, uh, which is often the biggest barrier between people and kindness, is the fear of being judged by others or the, you know, the fear of just having to interact with people. Uh, I don't think a lot of people are inherently mean or unfriendly, but a lot of people are shy, and that is often misperceived by others as um, unkindness. But shyness, of course, comes from anxiety, and when meditation gives us that distance that I just spoke about, where it allows us to take a few steps back from our immediate thoughts, our immediate reactions and responses and emotions in a situation, it lets us stay a little calmer in those scenarios to realize that the stakes are actually pretty low. Other people are just as nervous to interact as you are. Um, if you're mindful and practicing your spiritual practice, they're, you're, they're probably more anxious than you are. Um, and so there's no, there's nothing to fear. You know, it's that the fear reduction comes from not believing in the, the thoughts that pop into your head too strongly. Um, and not believing in the thoughts that pop into your head too strongly comes from sitting, letting all of your thoughts come and go, not grasping at them and seeing that your mind works perfectly fine. Um, and that you can feel peaceful and happy without having to constantly be actively forcing thoughts into your head and forcing various designations and attachments to them. Uh, which would make sense that that makes you nicer because uh, most of the times that we're not nice, it's either because of the anxiety I mentioned or because we're judging others or finding some sort of rationalization for not giving our energy and attention to other people or giving them negative energy to feel better about ourselves or cover up some sort of insecurity or whatever. 
Um, all of that dissipates, though, as soon as we stop listening to our ego brain and our monkey brain. Um, the thing that I think you'll find is a pattern across this this article going through these this list is uh, the the source of all of the benefits is the same source, and so the benefits in a way are kind of made up. Uh, it's more of a holistic process by which you become less uh, stubborn and less clingy in general in life. And the result of that is all of these side effects that people can talk about and talk about, but you have to experience them for yourself to be able to really understand where they're coming from. And if you approach meditation with the belief that it's going to start to check all of these things off your list, it's going to take that much longer for you to get to a place where um, that's actually happening because it only starts happening when you let go of it. It's paradoxical, but I'm of the opinion that all truths are paradoxical. Um, I believe that there's a great, yeah, there's a great line in the, at the very end of the Tao Te Ching, which I happen to have open in another tab because I like to just scroll to a random section of it and read it, uh, various parts of my week. Um, so I'll read this little passage. I'm trying to integrate more secondary materials into these podcasts. So it's not just me talking into the void for half an hour. Um, okay. Nothing in the world is as soft and yielding as water yet for dissolving the hard and inflexible, nothing can surpass it. The soft overcomes the hard, the gentle overcomes the rigid. Everyone knows this is true, but few can put it into practice. Therefore, the master remains serene in the midst of sorrow. Evil cannot enter his heart because he has given up helping. He is people's greatest help. True words seem paradoxical. Um, I should have just read that last line, but I think the whole passage is great. The entire book is fantastic. It's my favorite text. Uh, I could read it a thousand times and still want to read it again. And true words seem paradoxical. You know, you could take all of Hegel and Kant and um, every <laughs> Western philosopher and simplify half of their arguments to that. Um, so in one line, the ancient Chinese master manages to give us a lot of food for thought that could con could be contained within a multitude of books. Um, and because the the this philosophy came out of this meditative consciousness, I think it rings true. Um, the truth is paradoxical, and if we're trying to understand the benefits of meditation, we can't approach it with this rationalistic, scientific, programmatic outlook where everything is just like so. You know, that's not the way life is. Um, and when we approach life in that way, it causes a lot of the very problems that we're trying to solve. So, um, boost memory is number five. Um, if your desktop is wallpapered with sticky notes reminding you to find if your desktop is wallpapered with sticky note reminders and you often find your mind jumping from thought to thought you may want to turn to meditation it's been shown not only to improve memory but to help cut back on distracting thoughts um well i think if you're meditating and you're trying to not if you're meditating so that you don't get distracted that's going to distract you another ironic true thing um and I would imagine that the improvement in memory comes from the sort of dust that settles. That's another metaphor borrowed from the Tao Te Ching. Do you have the patience to wait until the mud settles and your water is clear, or the water of your mind is clear? Um, each day, we're participating actively in the world, participating actively in our own heads. When we meditate and we truly let go, the 
stuff that's swirling around is allowed to come settle and we can see through the murk to ourselves, which naturally would declutter things enough to probably improve our memory. Number six is get more of your workout. Um, I plan on recording another episode about meditation and exercise, so I'm going to leave that one. You can imagine that, you know, it helps you focus and minimize your sensitivity to pain because a lot of the plateaus we reach in workouts are psychological instead of physical. And I think that ties back into the fact that meditation divorces us, divorces us from our attachment to results and allows us to find joy in the process. And if you can find joy in each individual rep and each individual movement of your muscles or your legs or whatever you're exercising, you're going to experience a heightened intimacy with yourself that allows you to push through difficult moments more easily than if your mind is, is too focused on the, the end or the goal, which I think is actually, I should include that because that's a wonderful metaphor for the process that occurs in your mind with other things with meditation. It's this fundamental reorientation towards the process instead of the results. And the irony is, you know, people are very skeptical to focus more on the process than the results, but doing so often improves the results um, because the results are what come from the process. And if you focus on the process as intently and as diligently as you possibly can with as much mindfulness and as much um, flexibility as you can, you're going to undoubtedly produce better results than if you uh, are just thinking about things, the result of things all of the time. Um, <laughs> number seven is meditation helps keep colds away. I'm going to skip that one. Build better relationships. This is a good one that I also want to write a full episode on. Um, it says meditation will ap absolutely help you maintain healthy relationships. Not only does it let you be more present, but it also helps you approach tricky situations with a calm body and mind. In fact, it may help you avoid big blowouts. In one study, people who meditated and tried to problem solve with their partner approached the issue with less hostility and a better mood. Uh, that's a good one. That's completely true uh, in my own experience. I think trying to approach meditation's relationship with relationships in a study um, in an academic context is probably pretty tricky. But more importantly, I think the source of that improved ability to empathize and to get intimate with another person comes from the fundamental thing that we're doing when we meditate, which is getting intimate with ourselves. And there's a lot of stuff that you don't know about yourself. It's in there, but you don't have it uncovered that um, prevents you from understanding things about yourself that others might see. And when others see things and we don't, and they tell them to us, it can make us upset. It can cause fights. It can cause distance and disagreement. Um, and the better we know ourselves, the better we can communicate with others because a lot of times others get a better idea of us than we get of ourselves. And yet we pretend that people don't know us um, as a way of insulating ourselves from those sorts of conflicts. <coughs> Excuse me. Number nine is protect your heart, uh, improves your heart health, presumably because it reduces cortisol levels because of reducing stress, because of directing our focus away from the results and towards the process. Um, frankly, if you're meditating and thinking about your heart, your heart attack risk, your stroke risk, or your death 
while your death is a good thing to think about during meditation, that's an ancient Tibetan technique that is used to divorce us from attachments to the worldly material things in life. But I think if you're meditating for health reasons, it's really going to be difficult because there's so many different factors that impact our health. And if we try to use any one activity as a crutch um, that will that we think will somehow magically improve our health, uh, it's not fair to ourselves and it's not fair to that activity because it's such a holistic and often spontaneous thing. And you can live a perfectly healthy lifestyle and still have issues with things. So um, health is not one of the reasons I would pick if I had to pick five reasons to meditate. I would not pick health as one of them because um, it's just too, I think it's too complicated. Oh, this is a good one. Number 10, catch more Z's. Um, helps quiet the mind enough to actually be able to fall asleep. Science suggests that meditation helps treat insomnia, but experts believe that meditation can help keep your mind in check throughout the day and reduce stress, thus leading to a better, more restful night's sleep. Once again, fantastic that science is agreeing that meditation reduces stress and helps us sleep, but why? The reason that, well, we already talked about why it reduces stress, uh, Sleep, I th I've learned is if you, if I'm being completely honest. If you meditate and you don't, and you if you meditate while resting your head on something, you will fall asleep 100%. Every ancient tradition, every modern tradition, like transcendental meditation and everything, you can sit on a couch, um, you can sit with your back straight, but you'll notice that none of the techniques have you ever rest your head on anything because if your body is fully at rest and your mind is fully at rest, you fall asleep. And if you lay still in bed, completely still, focusing on your breath in a restful position, there's it will be pretty much impossible for you to not fall asleep. I think a lot of people who experience really severe insomnia, um, they try we we try all of i mean I've, I've had it happen to me before where you try all of these different things and you're so actively thinking about it and moving around and stuff that your body just doesn't get still enough to fall asleep but if you allow it to still itself enough it will just fall asleep and there's a very thin line between meditating and sleeping if you've ever meditated at five or six a.m you will know what i'm talking about and there's nothing wrong with that your mind and your body require rest and if you do have trouble sleeping, I guarantee that meditation will help you precisely because it just helps you be still. Um, and your physiological response to being super still for X amount of time is to fall asleep unless you have a some sort of nervous system disorder or are on drugs or something. It will probably work. Um, number 11, amp up creativity. The possible cure for a creative rut meditation. Um, this is really setting people up to stay in that creative rut. When you're listening, when you're in a listening state of mind, you put yourself in a position to receive new ideas and inspiration. Um, new aha moments will start pouring in, and science agrees, of course. In one study, participants who practice a particular kind of meditation were better at coming up with many possible solutions for a problem. Okay, so why? I just actually, this is this is great. I'm I'm enjoying reading this too because it's helping me put a lot of the things that I talk about in an esoteric spiritual context into practical application. Why does meditation make us more creative? Why does it make us better at coming up for solutions to problems? Well, I sort of spoke um, last week about 
dynamism and stasis. And when you're in a static way of seeing things, you believe in A and B, this and that, you know, means and end, process and result. But when you meditate and you allow all of those different dimensions to sort of collapse into themselves and there's sort of just this one void in which everything that's in your head and in your body is just floating around and you're letting it float around, there's all of these opportunities to grasp at new relationships and to see new connections and new things because you're not assuming that certain things have to be related to one another, that certain stimuli have to be connected to other stimuli. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, as a result, you know, I mean, that's the, the essence of creativity is being able to relate things that um, others might not think to relate to approach problems with a different uh, mindset to find new relationships and new correlations and causations that you wouldn't have thought of before. And the best way to do that is to do something that you've never done before. Um, like letting your mind work without actively managing it, letting yourself think without thinking. Um, in Taoism, it's called Wu, Wu Wei, action through non-action. Sometimes the best way to let things happen is to not do anything. Because life has its own rhythm, your mind has its own rhythm, your body has its own rhythm, and the things you've set into motion in the past have their own rhythm. And they don't always require active management. So in a creative sense, everything that you've ever experienced and thought and felt is in there. Um, and it's swirling around. And when you let it start to take its own form and take its own rhythm, just things start to start to pop up. I've had some of my most fulfilling and interesting ideas creatively and professionally while meditating. Uh, and then I have to have the discipline to wait until I'm finished to write them down. But some people say to write them down while you're meditating so you don't fixate on them because then if you're fixated on something, you stop effectively meditating. Um, number 12, improve your 9 to 5. Here's an argument for meditating on company time. Your on-the-job performance may benefit from the practice. In one study, multitasking office workers who meditated improved their performance and memory of the tasks they'd worked on as well as their emotional state and awareness. Um, I think one of the things that I've gotten out of my spiritual practice is I've stopped pretending that there's any difference between work and life. And your time is your time. You have X amount of time each day. And if meditation is helping you with other things in your life, it makes um, perfect sense that it's going to help you with your work because it requires you to stay focused on the process to stay mindful, to stay aware, to be compassionate of the people that you're working with, and also have self-discipline and respect. It cultivates all of these things just by, just by you sitting. It doesn't require any active effort for you to allow these, um, these skills and these values to take hold because they come from letting go. That's the work is letting yourself let go. It's actually very easy. It's just not easy when we've spent our whole lives <clears throat> doing the opposite. Next one, be more youthful. That one's not worth talking about. Cut back on painkillers. That's not worth talking about. I don't think, hopefully no one listening to this is, needs to cut back on painkillers. Um, and if you do, often um, recovering addicts will use 
meditation as part of their healing process, but um, recovery is very complicated, and I'm not going to pretend that I am a expert on that because I've um, had too many difficult experiences with people in my life in that realm. Um, pump up your GPA, number 15. Looking for a great way to earn higher marks on the next test? Here's your answer. Meditation leads to better focus and higher scores on cognitive tests after just four days of 20-minute sessions. Um, in another study, students who meditated before a lecture and quiz did better than those who didn't. Research suggests that it leads to a better attention span, an effect that lasts over time, especially in those who continue to meditate every day. Well, when you're doing nothing but sitting and paying attention to your own mind, it's going to make sense that doing that every day instead of someone who doesn't do it every day is going to make you better at paying attention to things in the world. Um, sort of the same way that cultivating an acceptance of yourself allows you to accept others and have more meaningful and uh, non-judgmental relationships with them. I think that's really the fundamental point here is when you let your mind loose and you don't grasp onto your thoughts, your lack of judgment and your lack of attachment allows you to be open to everything that life has to offer while also having your internal compass that tells you things that you should and shouldn't do, your moral compass. Um, and that, in general, I think will guide you down a meaningful and a joyful path. As soon as we start grasping onto too many complex theories of how to live and how to do this and how to do that, it's usually when we run into disappointment because we can't plan things. And there's sort of a natural flow that we reconnect with when we meditate. And that's what we're able to then reconnect with when we're consciously going about our day. Um, banish burnout. When you're on the grind 40 hours a week, it's too easy to feel overworked. Enter meditation. Taking time to quiet your mind leads to fewer feelings of work-related exhaustion. Um, that, I think, connects enough with other stuff I've said that I don't have to go over it. Battle bad eating habits. This is an interesting one historically in spirituality, especially Zen. Zen has a very interesting relationship with food. Um, meditation studies have been shown to help people cut back on binge eating and emotional eating and also have has proven to be therapeutic to um, people with eating disorders. Not to say it's a replacement for professional treatment or advice. Um, but the relationship between the mind, the body, and food is a very heavily discussed thing in Zen and in um, other Eastern philosophies. I, I know mostly about it in Zen. Um, but Zen monks are encouraged to maintain a very, very strict and simple diet and um, gorging yourself or being too um, gluttonous with food is considered to be a, a, an unmindful and um, sinful, I guess you could say, act. Because the you know food, before we had all these other distractions to worry about, food was like the one thing that people could really just gorge themselves on. It was also a lot scarcer in the past, so people in communities, especially monastic communities, had to learn how to um, portion it out properly. And a great way to get people to portion food out properly is to teach them that too much of it is bad. So I think there's a little bit of that there. But I also think that when we see our lives as being something that 
an external thing that we're in, that we're participating in, that we just kind of came into instead of a thing that we've emerged from, which I've discussed in other episodes. We see everything as there for the taking. We grasp at money, we grasp at relationships, we grasp at ideas, we grasp at thoughts, we grasp at our political affiliations, our religious affiliations, our jobs, food, drugs, alcohol, um, you know, television, internet, whatever else you want to talk about. There's all of these things that we can grasp at. And food is the one that we most consistently have to grasp at in order to stay healthy and stay alive. Um, and so it's the easiest one to abuse. And I think if your meditation practice continues for long enough, you'll start to see because you cultivate that internal cultivation, that internal building of, of respect for yourself and acceptance of things the way they are, you stop trying to distract yourself by grasping at things in the external world of which food is the most relevant most of the time. I think for a lot of people, food is a symbol of both control and the, it's a symbol for the entire external world. It's the one thing that we, we take and we internalize it and it becomes us. So it's a very complicated relationship that every individual has with it. And as your relationship with yourself improves, I think you'll find that your relationship with food improves as well. And that doesn't mean that you become some sort of ascetic, um, you know, monkish person depriving yourself of pleasant experiences with food. That's not the point. The point is to enjoy life in moderation and um, enjoy the simple pleasures of, you know, eating this, eating that, consuming this or that, experiencing this or that without these vast, crazy, excessive, um, conflicting goals and compulsions. 18, add sizzle to your sex life. Um, I was thinking of just doing a whole episode on that, but I'll have to be in the right mood for it. Uh, 19, tone down your temper. This one we've kind of already covered. The Well, I guess I'll do it to, to finish things off because it's the last one. Um... Research suggests that meditation habit cuts back on anger and the tendency to dwell on angry episodes. If you're aware of your mind, body, and breath, you can calm yourself and step away from the initial reaction and think of different ways to respond to the situation. That was a quote from the author of the study, um, whose last name is Korda. Yeah, I agree. Um, he says the, the more inner awareness you have, the less you're going to be triggered by other people, um, which is true. I mean, the same way what I just discussed sort of applies to this where your your trust in all of the illusory external things in the world starts to diminish because your internal state realizes that you're just perceiving those things as how you think they are instead of how they actually are. And as a result, you you can realize and accept that the world is not necessarily how it seems, that situations are not always as they seem, that people are not always as they seem. And once you start to abandon that sort of absolutism, you can relax a little bit. And um, it certainly helped me with my anger because anger always comes from holding on too strongly to the belief that you're right, the belief that someone else is wrong, the belief that someone else has wronged you or that something bad has happened, the belief that your future is going to be harmed by this or that. It's all conceptual, always. Anger never comes just out of the blue, you know, and if it does, it's usually the result of some sort of mechanical problem in the brain or something. Um, there's always a root cause of it in your thoughts 
And if you have control over your thoughts, you have control over your anger and every other um, malady that your thoughts produce, like stress and anxiety and depression. Pretty much everything in this list comes from having control over your own thoughts and your own mind. And that control comes from letting go of the attempt to direct it and letting it exist in its natural state, which is a peaceful, calm, um, natural flow of just the energy that you have from existing. You're alive and your brain functions the way it functions. And if you work in harmony with it and let it do its thing, it will reward you. And if you don't, it will cause your problems. I think that's the ultimate lesson here. Articles like this are good, but I think they encourage a lot of people to start meditating for the wrong reasons, which makes getting over those reasons that much more difficult. And if people have an honest introduction from me or from someone else to the practice of meditation and can understand a little bit more what's going to be going on inside themselves while they do it, they won't be so fixated on these different results and these different things. They'll understand the why instead of the what, and they won't be as distracted while they're practicing. That's my goal. I hope that it works a little bit better for you. Um, if you are a seasoned meditator, I hope you weren't bored. I hope you maybe learned a little something. And if you liked this, um, please consider subscribing to Daily Zen Premium at patreon.com slash daily zen, where I record a free extra, no, sorry, not free, premium extra weekly episode and uh, a couple essays usually. So... Um, thank you for listening and, uh, feel free to give feedback on Twitter or email or by the Patreon messaging system if you are a subscriber.